Welcome to the Run Around Iowa, the podcast that's dedicated to news and interviews with the athletes, coaches, and personalities who are making headlines in cross country, track and field, road running, trail running, and triathlon in the state of Iowa. And now, here is your host, Lance Ferguson. Hello, everyone. I was hoping to open this podcast by talking about the amazing NCAA championships over the weekend, but as I was preparing this podcast, uh, the news broke that, and it was a big bombshell, that Sioux City native Shelby Houlihan had been suspended from track and field for four years after testing positive for the banned substance Nandrolone. Um, that came out um, earlier today in a Zoom call with the media, with Houlihan and her Bowerman Track Club coaches, Jerry Schumacher and Shalane Flanagan. Uh, it came from a positive test that the Bowerman group is saying that it came from contaminated pork in a burrito that she had consumed in December. Shelby said, I feel completely devastated, lost, broken, angry, confused, and betrayed by the very sport that I've loved and poured myself into just to see how good I was. This was in a prepared statement. She says, I want to be very clear. I have never taken any performance-enhancing substances, and that includes that of which I have been accused. I believe in the sport and pushing your body to the limit just to see where the limit is. I'm not interested in cheating. I don't do this for the accolades, money, or for people to know my name. I do this because I love it. I have so much fun doing it, and it's always the best part of my day. Um, this all happened, as I said, in December. Um, it was a sample uh, provided to the Athletics Integrity Unit, um, and then she was notified in January that she was provisionally suspended after this positive test, but they, uh, the AIU neglected to charge her immediately. Um, so she's... Um, she um, went ahead knowing that the Olympic trials were looming. She hired a lawyer. Uh, this was named Paul Green, who um, uh, really worked on the AIU to charge her with a violation, violation so that um, she could appeal her case before the World uh, Anti-Doping Agency and uh, get it done before the trials. Rather than go through that AIU process, her team requested an emergency hearing from the Court of Arbitration of Sport to resolve the situation. And um, then it was announced uh, three days ago, and just uh, about a week before the trials were to start in Eugene, she was informed by that Court of Arbitration for Sport that her appeal was unsuccessful and that her four-year ban had been upheld. Um, she had tested positive for five nanograms of nandrolone, a steroid. That's a very low amount. Um, and it came from um, pork from a food truck. Um, 
according to her lawyer, contained pig organ meat. Um, that is one of the sources, I guess, for Nandrolone. And um, they did the they did look into it, and it was um, ten hours before uh, that test that she ate that um, pig organ meat. They believe, and that's what contributed to the Nandrolone. Um, so th the ban, of course, takes her out of the trials. Four-year ban, um, and it's looking unless it gets reversed somehow that it um, could uh, will take her certainly out of the Tokyo Games and the 2024 Games that are coming up in Paris. Um, and this comes right at the heart of when she um, is at the peak of her abilities. Um, she really had a chance to do some great things in Tokyo. Uh, things were lining up for her to uh, win an Olympic championship medal. Um, she finished fourth in the 2019 World Championships in the 1500. Um, she owns the American uh, record in the 1500 and 5000. And um, and uh, if you look at her competitors, um, Safan Hassan, Hassan, the world champion, um, she was looking to most likely run the 5K, 10K double in Tokyo. So that would have been a competitor out of the way for Shelby. And good enough to say, um, um, ran the 5,000 at the Ethiopian trials. Um, and she might not run in the 1,500. So Shelby was looking at a, at a real possibility of being, at the very least, a, a medal possibility um, in the 1500 for sure, and could have been gold. Um, and her coach said she just might be the best 1500 meter runner in the world this year, but we will never get the opportunity to, to find out. And he said that's a tragedy. Um, she does have a chance um, to go to the Swiss Federal Tribunal. But it's a very long shot um, at getting this reversed. She's now 28 years old, and um, and she's looking at most likely at least two years of that four-year ban. Um, there, there is a little bit of hope out of this. Um, Jerry and Lawson, uh, a prominent American track athlete, also tested positive for a low level of a contaminated substance. And um, his case was also presi presided over by the AIU. And he was also initially handed a four-year ban. And he served uh, about two years of that before um, the Court of uh, Appeal, Sport of Appeal, overturned the decision. So Court of Arbitration of Sport, sorry, um, the CIS, they overturned that decision after about two years. I've seen this argument a lot from people on social media, the doubters of, of Shelby, who say, come on, you got um, you got positive uh, test uh, for steroids from eating pig organ meat. It, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And it's uh, kind of a lame excuse, uh, a lot of people think. And, and there is um, some uh, validity, certainly, to that that uh, nandrolone steroid um, could come from pig organ meat. Um, but, but, I'm going to say this here, um, 
she's this is the first positive test for her and there's um there's no um evidence that we've seen that she's um, been close to failing drug tests in the past she's not lance armstrong here where he showed up every year at the tour de france with uh doping allegations hanging over his head and him uh fighting uh, fighting the media fighting everybody um even within his uh team and former teammates uh denying it um right to the end um she hasn't had any history like that and she comes from a great family we feel like we know shelby because she's an iowan her Mother was a great uh, runner, Connie. Her uncle was a great runner. Her sister was among the uh, U.S.'s best steeplechasers before she retired and went into coaching. And um, so she comes uh, from a talented family um, that you feel like came through their results very honestly. And um, uh, the, the the bottom line here is that I feel like if Shelby had to cheat her way to the top, she couldn't accept that. She couldn't look in the mirror every day and say, I'm good with that. I'm good with cheating my way to the top. I don't think that's her. I don't think that's her mentality. And so I'm going to I'm going to back her on this. And um, I wish her and her team well in um, challenging this decision. And hopefully she'll be back in uh, competition uh, well before the Paris 2024 Olympics. Um, it was a difficult time for the Bowerman Track Club period today. They also um, had Evan Jaeger, their former Olympic silver medalist and from 2016 and seven-time U.S. Steeplecha steeplechase champion, he announced he's not going to be competing at the trials. He has a leg injury. That um, that will be helpful for a couple runners with Iowa ties. Uh, unfortunately, um, Hillary Bohr now becomes probably the number one American um, going into the trials. He's a former Iowa State runner, and he's coming off a really strong win at the Diamond League race in England a few weeks ago. So Hillary is definitely on the upswing, um, and he's uh, he competed in the 2016 Olympics. So he certainly that um, he certainly is uh, looking at that um, as a definite opportunity. And then you've got Stanley Kebene, former Iowa Central runner, who also has been on American teams in the past. Um, this will boost his chances um, now that Jager is out. Um, Cabernet is maybe number two or number three on, on the American team, maybe going into this trial. All right, let's move on to a little bit of happier news, and that's the NCAA championships. Learned a lot uh, over the weekend. We found out that Hayward Field is pretty darn fast. The track is amazing. Six meet records were held during the championships, three during the women's finals on Saturday, one a day on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Both men's records were set in the distance races, the 10,000 on Wednesday, the 5,000 on Friday. Um, we learned that Wesley Kip too will need to run smarter if he's ever going to win an NCAA championship on the track. 
both of those records were not his. We kind of thought that he might win at least one of them, and he didn't. Um, the reason, I think, is um, not very good strategy on his part. Um, he was um, taking the lead um, both races early on. He opened up a five-meter lead in the first 400 meters. And if there's one thing I learned from my Max VO2 test with Ben Tillis, um, you can read that blog, by the way, at DesMoinesRegister.com um, about my Max VO2 test. It is that when you... Um, when you're using way too much lactate at the beginning of a workout, you're going to pay for it later. And even a five-meter gap that he had on people after the first lap or two could be too much. And um, Wesley's maybe, what, 1% better than uh, the other guys? Um, uh, Connor Mance and uh, the winner, um, Patrick Deaver, maybe 1% better. But if you are burning too much energy at the beginning of a race and the other guys are on an even keel, uh, even uh, threshold, um, you're going to pay for it later on. So um, it was disappointing to see um, him run that way. Um, I think after this championships in the fall, I think Iowa State's coaches are going to sit down with Wesley and say, Okay, you did it your way. Now we're going to do it our way, and we're going to run smarter in championship races. We're going to hold back a little bit, try to run more even pace, and um, and then try to save something for the end. It was interesting because the um, Cooper Tier, the guy who, uh, the Oregon junior who won the 5,000, um, said during his interview with ESPN, um, he said that Oregon geared their workouts to simulate the early pace that uh, Kiptu would run. They knew it was coming. So he had, you know, you already showed your hand about what was happening. So uh, the Oregon coaches would say, okay, let's, let's start off this 5,000 training session by running the first mile hard. Then we're going to ease back a little bit and then work on finishing the last mile. So great coaching by the Oregon staff uh, preparing their athletes. I'm sure they weren't the only ones, but it worked for them twice because um, they got tier, uh, the 5,000 winner, and then they also won the 1,500. The, uh, ESPN's coverage, let's, let's face it, for this championships was bad. Um, from the loud buzzing sound that was at the beginning of the women's final day, uh, when they were supposed to do, be doing the introduction, the, the voiceover, as they call it, for TV. Dwight Stone's having a terrible time misidentifying schools and athletes. He wasn't the only one. Dan O'Brien missed a few. Um, mispronouncing, mispronouncing names. And just the producers showing two-day-old highlights during a live distance race on Friday. It's just It just seemed like... You know, the the biggest problem I had was that the announcers just didn't seem like they were prepared. And that was something I learned and was definitely reiterated to me when I uh, did an interview with Mike Jay earlier um, this uh, track season for this podcast. You know, he, he said he would do about um, eight hours of preparation, roughly, for a meet of this magnitude, eight hours of preparation, getting ready, learning names, learning school colors, learning everything. 
And it just seemed like stones just came into this thing, just winging it and, and not being prepared. And the two analysts um, had their bad moments as well. I could go on and on, but let's just say ESPN's coverage needs to improve. And congratulations um, also to um, the Iowa Hawkeyes for finishing 12th in the men's standings with 19 points. Uh, excellent effort uh, by Joey Woody's gang. Um, and um, the NCAA Outdoor Championships, to me, the best annual meet, uh, period. Uh, except in a year like this year where, the, where we have the U.S. Olympic Trials and the Olympics, this meet is second to none. Uh, the Drake Relays is right up there as well, but um, as far as the high quality uh, and entertainment um, and seeing all these future pros that are um, just uh, standing out, um, it's the best to me uh, year after year. And for this flashback, I am going up north to Duluth, Minnesota. This week is Grandma's Marathon after being off the calendar last year by COVID-19. It's great to see that marathon back. We have some uh, interest in Iowa from some of the runners. And one of those runners who is going to be in it is Pasca Myers of Fort Dodge. And Pasca um, stunned a lot of people in 2014 when she won Grandma's Marathon. Uh, she won the women's race um, in, uh, in a fine personal best time of 2 hours, 33 minutes, and 45 seconds. She finished that day nearly a minute ahead of Brianne Nelson of Golden, Colorado. She also beat defending champion and course record holder Sarah Kiptu, who could do no better in third in 2.34.55. Uh, Myers, in an interview, she said, I couldn't worry about what the other runners were doing. I knew if I stuck to my pace and ran my time, I'd be fine. All you can do is run your best. I ran my own race. She got $11,250 for that victory um, just the year before. It, it was Kip Tu, Sarah Kip Tu, like I said, who um, set the course record of 226.32, um, taking advantage of cool temperatures and a tailwind. If you know anything about grandmas, you get that tailwind and you get the right uh, cool temperatures for a day, you can really set some fast times because it's a flat course for the most part. So Kiptu normally would have been the favorite, but she came in with a bad back, wasn't expecting to win. That opened the door for Pasca to win it um, and improve on her fifth place finish from the year before when she ran 234.24. So her time wasn't too far off from that. But when the other runner runs 226-32 the previous year, um, you, you, you really come in thinking, I don't have a chance. Um, but like I said, she had a bad back. And, um, and Pasca, who still lives in Fort Dodge, um, I, I talked to her for the uh, Olympic marathon trials um, coming in. And I talked to her at the... Um, at the uh, Elite 10K in the fall, um, uh, in the spring, sorry, in the, in the spring um, 
in April. So I talked to her there where she became a new run of blaze athlete, but, um, she was, she was seemingly out of it. She was way back in seventh after, after 10 K she was two and a half minutes behind the leaders. Um, at 20 miles, she had chopped that deficit down to 30 seconds among, uh, she was 30 seconds behind the leader. And then, uh, by then Kipto had dropped back and, um, and then she just um, jumped into the lead um, shortly after that. And um, so it was uh, definitely a defining moment in the career of the former Rand Lake Community College runner. Um, that's located in Ina, Illinois. And um, Pasca also later ran for Florida State. But um, it's definitely been the the cherry on top of her uh, running career um, as a professional, winning grandmas. It's always a prestigious race to win, and she did it in 2014. And like I said, I haven't seen the uh, official entry list, but um, I'm expecting her to run up there this weekend. And uh, seven years ago, she won that championship. All right, let's go back to the NCAA championships and I'm going to start off with the 800 meter final where Iowa State senior Festus Lagat finished fifth in his final race for the Cyclones. Um, he looked like, and I put this out on Twitter, it looked like he was, he, he ran at the back in the final for almost 600 meters before he kind of did his Lagat special and, and moved up to the field. Um, it, it looked like he was just trying to, um, run for a top five finish rather than the win, which is not conventional wisdom when you get to an NCAA final. But as I said, um, on Twitter, perhaps he knew what he was capable of and the pace set by eventual winner, Isaiah Jewett was, was just maybe not what he wanted. Um, but he let him, uh, Charlie Hunter, uh, guys like uh, Brandon Miller just take the pace out, and he um, he was content to stay at the back in that final, and um, and and it, it worked in a way. Um, he did uh, move up and get past the two Texas guys, uh, Yusuf Bizimana and Creighton Carroza, uh, to move up into fifth and to earn um, first team uh, All American honors. But interestingly enough, he was the only runner. Out of the out of the entire nine that did not set a personal best in that 800 final, so he was the only one. Uh, he he got to that final um, with a really smart race, I thought, in the first round uh, on Wednesday. He was in that uh, fast second heat uh, where he and surprise winner uh, Shane Strike uh, basically they both. Uh, made their move really late. Festus with a nice kick uh, down the uh, home straightaway to get second in that second heat. And Isaiah Jewett, uh, and I, I, as I said, the eventual NCAA champion, had to get on, in on time. He wasn't even one of the first two. It was a strike first and then Lagat. So Jewett, who was third in that heat, had to wait it out to see if his time would hold up, and the 147-43 did. Uh, but Lagat um, uh, passed Jewett down that straightaway. Um, he really, I think, um, 
in a uh, you know in a prelim type of round, I, I I thought his strategy was was really smart. He held back, held something back uh, for that. Um, disappointing. Uh, the other Iowa State uh, runner in that race was sophomore Jason Gomez. He's had a less than um, stellar outdoor season. He's had his ups and downs. It looked like you know, things were looking up in the West prelims. He he advanced through. Looked like things were going well, but then um, in the semifinal on Wednesday, he stepped off the track um, on the back uh, stretch. Yeah, you could see it on ESPN um, after only just over 500 meters. He just stepped off. He was uh, he was he was well back. So a disappointing finish to the, for the sophomore, but he'll get better. Um, it's it, it's it's a tough um, sometimes running your first year at a at a Division One program. And um, and he just um, seemed to run out of gas at, at the end of the year. And uh, in the first heat, um, the other uh, cyclone who had qualified, um, junior Alexander Lamont, ran basically the same race as Gomez. Uh, he was at the back of, of the pack uh, pretty much during that um, semifinal. Just was never in it, um, just never in contention. And he ended up running 148.52 for sixth in that first heat. So... Uh, the junior will be back next year. Um, he and Gomez will be the um, will be the 800 guys uh, next year because they lose three of them. Uh, you know, they lose Legat, they lose Rooms. Um, so um, uh, two of the guys will be back next year. Um, the 1500 uh, <laughs> Isaac Isaac Baston. What a what a story uh, this guy was. Um, the Drake sophomore. Um, really had himself a phenomenal uh, final, uh, I, I don't know, 200, 300 meters. Um, he made up a lot of ground in that, uh, I, I would call it 200 meters. The final 200 ran down several guys in that uh, semifinal to finish fourth and auto-qualify for the finals. Um, he looked great at the end, saved a bunch, um, let the pace uh, move out. He ran from the back, and um, he, he he trusted his instincts, and um, and um, and he said on Instagram, uh, it was a, it was a good quote. He said, "I always show up after bad races," and he's talking about placing tenth in the MBC five k. He says, I knew I had something to prove to myself at regionals. I went back to racing the fun way. Stay back and let my kick take care of business. That got me through regionals and then into the national final. Um, and then unfortunately, in the most important race of my life, there was nothing left. No kick, no energy in my legs. I don't know why, but no excuses. I can't wait to see how I bounce back from this one. So very honest opinion and assessment of himself. Um, if you haven't uh, figured it out, um, he did not have a good uh, 1500 final on Friday. As he said, he was never really competitive in that final, which ended up being one of the one of the real um, great races of this championships. The the uh, battle between Hawker and the Goose was everything we um, anticipated it would be. As Hawker um, outkicked him, outkicked the Goose. Um, Nudging him a little bit out of the way, it was a little bit of a a, a little bit of a cheap move. Um, he kind of elbowed him a little bit um, as he went through on the inside lane. 
the Oregon freshman wins it in 335-35, and then Nagoose, the defending champion in Notre Dame Jr., was at uh, 335-60. But Baston ended up 12th um, in that 1500 final, and yes, 12 qualified. So, But the Drake sophomore will be... Um, better for this. It's a great experience, great learning experience. And like he said, he just didn't have it. Um, there was nothing left, no, no kick. Sometimes, sometimes it happens, uh, between the semi semis and finals. We saw that a lot in Eugene and, um, he ran three forty six twelve, and, but <clears throat> second team, all American, that's tremendous. Um, and like I said, he got in with that 339.57 time, which was 12th best in the semifinals on Wednesday, beating his teammate, uh, sophomore Adam Fogg, um, who uh, was not in the same heat, but he was in heat one and he finished 10th in 340.88. Do you sense, do you see a theme happening here? Fogg again, like the other guys that I've mentioned, at the back, just couldn't seem to really strike um he 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 did try to uh make a move about halfway through um he was trying to move up uh but then the legs once the the pace picked up it was just um he just fell off um at the end and um he said flatly flat out on instagram it was a rough way to end my best season as a bulldog so he admits it was a great season but just tailed off at the end. So we'll see if maybe he can string together a full year. It's a long season. It's, 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 it's a long season. It's difficult to um, maintain that high intensity level the whole way. And, and while you just have to say Baston probably got it right um, over fog, um, you know, they both had something very memorable to, to talk about for this season. Uh, they both had their great moments as well. Um, okay, let's go back to that 10,000 <clears> on uh, Wednesday night. Um, I've already mentioned it. Um, Kip 2 took it out fast, and um, and he just faded over the second half of the race as the, uh, as the pace picked up. And Tulsa senior Patrick Deaver, who's... Who's a, who's an Englishman uh, became the second uh, man from England to win a national title. It was it was. I think I think Wesley Kiptu will be remembered <clears throat> as the guy who drove the pace early and allowed ten runners, ten runners to break the previous NCAA record set by Suleiman Nyambui, one of my favorite runners of all time. He was a UTEP runner in 1979. He ran 2801.30. That was dashed by 10 men, including Deaver, ran 27.41. Connor Mance, the reigning cross-country champion, ran 27.42. And then you just got a string of guys, Nur, Brandt, Hamer, Masai, Hicks, Wilchett, Awara, and disappointing for... Um, Kip to is that Oklahoma State sophomore Isai Rodriguez was 10th. So he not only didn't finish in the top three or five, but he also got beat by a Big 12 runner that he had beaten at the Big 12 championships. So uh, a tough day for him. Another cyclone in that 10,000. Senior Edwin Kurgat had a disappointing end to his 
Cyclone career. He pulled out of that 10,000 final after 6,000 meters on the track. Um, he was about um, 10 seconds behind uh, the leaders, um, Deaver, Mance, and crew, before he pulled off the track. Um, and so that ends really an illustrious career for Edwin Kurgat. I mentioned him last week, everything that he's done, and it's a shame that it has to end this way uh, with him having a DNF at Nationals. Uh, the 5,000 final, as I talked about in the preview last week, I didn't feel like this was as strong. You didn't have... Um, a few guys that were doubling, like Connor Mance was not doubling. Uh, Wildshit was not. So the field wasn't quite as strong. But one thing that we learned from that is that fresh legs do matter. The top three runners all looked great at the end, and all of them were running fresh. Cooper Tier of Oregon, the winner in 13-12-27, a personal best meet record, uh, everything. Um, he held off Northern Arizona's Luis Grijalva. Uh, he's uh, on their um, championship cross-country teams, of course, a key member of their teams. He ran a personal best, as did Campbell Jr., Athanas Kyoko, personal best as well. Um, Cole Hawker, um, trying to um, do the pull off the the double, the, the winning the 1500, coming back to winning the 5000, didn't have it. Um, and, and that was a good indication there that it's just too hard to try to, uh, even with a two-hour rest, roughly, is what he had between finals. It was just too much when he's battling his uh, his teammate who has fresh legs. Hawker was fourth, 13-18. Still a personal best for him. Brandt, who ran in the 10,000, was fifth. Deaver, uh, the winner in the 10,000, was sixth. And then Kiptu, um, again, falling off um, in the second half of, of, the, uh, of the race, ended up 13th and getting second team honors in 1330. 87. So Wesley finishes this outstanding sophomore season with <clears throat> an indoor NCAA championship at 5,000 meters, a first team All American honors in cross country when he was third, and uh, those two uh, outdoor second team All American honors. So four All American honors this season. Um, he also set school records in four events, the Indoor 3000, the school record DMR, and then outdoors in the 10,000 and 3,000 steeplechase when he, when he picked up the triple at the Big 12 Championships. But unfortunately, that was really, I think, the unfortunately the highlight of his season was the Big 12 Championships, and from there it was... Um, just a little bit of a steady decline um, into NCAAs. So um, let's hope that um, he'll be a stronger runner for this. Come back next year and learn from it. Um, I've already talked about the 800. Um, I've talked about the 1500. And all we've got left for distance running NCAAs was the 3000 steeplechase semifinals. We had two uh, Iowa Collegians who were in that. Iowa State senior David Two and um, Iowa senior Nathan Milenic. Neither guy 
Um, I, you know, two was, was pretty much out of it right away. Um, just wasn't, again, another back of the packer guy just wasn't competitive enough. Wasn't, um, uh, running, um, near the front, like you need, you know, like you need to be. So a disappointing end for the seniors, um, season and the way to go out as a cyclone. He ended up 11th in that first heat in 842.70. My Lennox stuck his nose in there for a while. He was at the back of the lead pack and tried to hold on as long as he could. And then once the pace um, picked up um, toward the end, the last lap or so, he had a fall off. Um, ended up running 847.86 for ninth. But it was fun to see um, his career set... Um, Set and reset the steeplechase record at Iowa. Um, had a phenomenal, um, some, some cross-country seasons that were phenomenal. So great career for Nathan Milenic. Um, and he leaves with the school record in that steeplechase. Uh, on to the women's um, competition. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Minnesota senior Abby Coet-Jackson. Lead off with her, the former Ballard prep um, ran a really smart semifinal on Thursday. I was just thinking, man, she, she, she just really has her, has the mental game going. Um, she, um, let, uh, the runners like, uh, Auburn's Joyce Camelli, Washington's Katie Rainsberger, um, Weber State's Summer Allen, just let them go. And, she was in a pack that was fighting for the uh, fourth and fifth autom automatic uh, qualifying spots. And she just outkicked those runners, uh, had a lot of confidence in her ability. And um, it was her and Alyssa Nigaman of Wisconsin that were basically neck and neck at the finish line. Uh, Abby ended up fifth in that heat in 941.20 to get that uh, automatic qualifying spot. She held off Notre Dame's Olivia Olivia Markezovich uh, for the auto spot for the last one. She uh, she ended up getting in, by the way, Mar Mar Markezovich, as this was a really fast um, race. And in this um, race, it was so fast that uh, Colette Jackson set a new PB, uh, a new PR of 941.20. So she dropped another few seconds. We're going to see, be seeing her. I assume that she's going to the U.S. Olympic trials um, this week. Um, she's, she's qualified. So a lot of women that have qualified in the 3000 steeplechase, but she, she's qualified. Um, why not go for it? Um, she's uh, had a long season. Um, it's going to be tough <laughs> uh, getting geeked up for another meet, but but she's she's a true competitor and 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 you gotta like that. So uh, from that semifinal, she moved on to the final. Um, didn't quite have it. Um, again, uh, once the pace picked up with eventual winner Mahala Norris of Air Force, uh, Camelli of Auburn, Rainsberger of Washington, those three drove drove the train there, along with Courtney Wayman. I better mention her. BYU, those four uh, picked up the pace, and then Abby just uh, fell off, and um, and it just wasn't meant to be. But she ended up 11th. She did uh, easily beat uh, Nigaman, um, so she got um, 
honors for the Big Ten, uh, the top finisher um, in 11th in 950-89, uh, beating Nigaman by 22 seconds. So second team honors, second team All-American honors for Abby Coet Jackson. Nice way for the senior uh, to go out um, with her outdoor senior uh, outdoor career. Then there was the 10,000 meter final for women on Thursday. Had um, one current Iowa Collegian and one former Iowa State runner uh, in the field. You had a um, semi showdown between G Syracuse junior Amanda Vestry and uh, Cyclone junior Kaylee Logue. And it was Vestry who really put herself out there. Um, she was in, uh, she got as high as third place in that 10,000 um, before it became a kicker's race at the end. And um, it uh, became a, a two-woman battle between heavy favorite Mercy Chellengat of Alabama uh, and then uh, Oregon senior Carmela Cardama Baez. She's a Spanish runner. Um, and it was Cardama Baez uh, really spurred on by the home crowd that um, really looked fantastic that final lap. She, um, she ended up winning it in a personal best, 32-16, as Chellen got, um, just didn't have it. And uh, it, would, it would be a theme as she um, also got beat in the 5,000 uh, as well um, two days later. She was... Uh, just about six seconds back in 32-22. But it was Vestry taking 10th in 32-52-74. So nice um, performance by her. Just missing first team All-American honors. She's got one more year left with the Orange. Um, and then Logue um, was about oh, well, 15 seconds back um, in 14th place, earning second team all-American honors as well. It's her first All-American effort outdoors for Kaylee um, as she goes 33.07 in that 10,000 final. We'll be seeing her one more year. So um, that would, you know, it's too bad that Vestry did um, transfer. It would have been a great one-two punch for the Cyclones here at Nationals um, if Vestry would have, would have held on. But um, she wanted to move out closer to her family. Um, she's originally from, I want to say, Connecticut or Vermont, um, somewhere out there, um, out east. So it was it was a natural move for her to move back. There was one other um, um, result I wanted to mention. Former Southeast Polk um, star Sydney Milani um, ran for Alabama's 4x4. In the semifinal, she ran the third leg for that, um, and they finished fourth in that heat one, but didn't advance. So, Sydney was running the 400 for the tide in that event. So, nice to see her running at nationals as well. And that's a wrap. That's the NCAA championships, then the end of the college season. Okay, I've got to admit a big goof on my part. Uh, last week's podcast, I forgot about the Stumptown Twilight Meet in Portland, Oregon, where three Iowans were in action in that um, important meet that was a qualifier for the U.S. Olympic Trials. Former Northern Iowa star and current Panther assistant 
Alexina Wilson finished third in the steeplechase in 9.38.85. That time for the former Mount Vernon Lisbon prep was good enough for the trial standard, but she already had it um, with a personal best of 9.32.69 run at a different race in mid-May. Uh, finishing right behind her in fourth was former Iowa Central star Adva Cohen. Uh, Cohen, um, she hopes to run for Israel in the Tokyo Olympics. She ran 9.45.79, and she just finished her senior season at New Mexico. And then um, in seventh place was former Griswold prep Rebecca Topham. Um, Topham, according to Wichita State, set a school record 9.50.65, which was just 0.65 of a second off of the trial standard of 9.50. But it was her fastest time ever run for the steeplechase. Um, the winner in that race, the winning time was 9.28.60. Um, so Rebecca um, runs a school record for Wichita State. I don't know how you run a school record when your eligibility is up, but I, I don't know. It's beyond me. Um, then in the uh, men's 800 uh, high performance, you had former Iowa State runner uh, Daniel Nixon, who was sixth, uh, running in 147.56 in a race that was won by Craig Engels in 146.14. So sorry about missing the Stumptown Twilight last week. Um, on to this week's road racing. Uh, the Mini 10K was back after a year off. From COVID and um, former Iowa All-American Diane Nakuri, uh, the ASICS runner, was competing in a very uh, tough field. Uh, Nakuri was seventh in 32-26. Um, the winner of this all-women's race was fellow American Sarah Hall running 31-33. So quality competition there in New York in um in that uh, beautiful park, um, of course, Central Park setting. Um, then we had the 50K Road Championships, and it was Iowa City resident Kaylin Kahn, who was the defending champion in this event coming in. Um, this was at East Islip, New York. Kahn um, coming back from his first race from injury, and first one back from quarantine, he said, um, was not the, his day. Uh, he finished 10th in 3 hours and 16 minutes and 53 seconds. Preston Johnson uh, took the win in 2.53.19. Uh, Kalen said on Twitter, Though I would have loved to have maintained my title of reigning U.S. 50K road champion, some deserving stud showed up and rocked it in the heat. A stomach cramp and definitely some lack of fitness around 32K took me out of contention for the win. And he said, all that means is a stronger team will be heading to the World Championships in Taiwan this October, and I'm honored to be a part of that. The first step was getting my feet wet racing again, and the next is to continue building fitness with my teammates this summer in Iowa. So... Good luck to him in October, and Khan is a former Runablaze Iowa athlete as well. 
And uh, Saturday, in a race, I did the Run to Exile 5K. I did I did the 10K, actually. It was Run Ablaze athlete and former Iowa Central and Johnston High Prep Tyson Wheeland uh, winning the race in a very competitive and strong time of 15, 18.5. It was really hot Saturday in Des Moines. Uh, and runner-up was former Spirit Lake uh, athlete Alec Baldwin. I interviewed Alec for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. Alec, um, he's living in the area now. He ran 15.22.6, just four seconds behind Tyson. Tyson's getting ready for the Ironman 73 Des Moines this week. At the Robins Roundup Twilight 5K on Friday, it was Run Ablaze Iowa's Nate Hop who was the winner, running his fastest 5K in three years in 1601. He did in about 90 degree temperatures. He won by a minute and 24. He said it was great to get back on the roads after a little bit of a break. And then on Saturday, the Ding Dong Dash was held in Jefferson, where Trey Thompson was the winner um, of the 5K in 1645.6. And then you had Jacob Flaws, the 10K winner in 3456.4. Flaws is a former Carlisle athlete. So that's the uh, that's your lot for the um, race report this week. As I mentioned, the Ironman 70.3 Des Moines is in town this weekend. The races are on Sunday, and you've got a couple uh, local pros that are going to be competing on the men's side in TJ Tollickson and Tyson Wheeland. So we'll be looking for their results. I'll be hoping to interview them after the event. I was hoping to get somebody from Ironman to join me on this podcast, but despite repeated email attempts, I have not had any luck. Um, hopefully something will open up, and if there is uh, an interview possibility, um, look for that later on this week. But otherwise, um, it'll be a quiet week, and um, I will have the 70.3 race report as well as all the other reports next week, um, next Monday and Tuesday. Until then, happy running, everyone. <laughs>